who, Ben Franklin wanted the turkey to be the national bird? I mean, you can't have a national bird that you eat on Thanksgiving, man. That'll never work. So Tuesday is the 4th of July, and uh, Gallup does a poll every year, and they only ask one question. Um, do you consider yourself patriotic, or do you have positive feelings about America? This year, only 37% of people answered that question yes. You know, I've always been kind of a patriotic person, um, and I get it, man. That's not exactly how people feel about America anymore. I really understand why, man. We got a lot of, we got a boatload of issues, man, to deal with. Jenny and I, um, a few weeks ago, went to the National World War II Museum. And it impacted me in some really powerful ways. Not just what those young men went through. But by the way, man, this struck me. You know, the average soldier in World War II was 18, 19, 20 years, young boys. Did, did, did you know um, hundreds of thousands of people died, Americans died in World War II? But it wasn't just the battles or the war or the freedom that they were fighting for. The, the people at home, too. One of the things that struck me about just hearing the whole story was how the entire nation was engaged in this. So people at home um, had all kinds of um, drives, you know, rubber drives, go get old tires and metal drives and all kinds of things to help the war effort. In fact, um, there were all kinds of restrictions, um, rations. You could only buy so much gas. You could only buy so much food. You, and you got these stickers that said, here, I got... I can buy a little more sugar, I can buy a little more flour, I can buy another gallon of gas. And this was the whole country who understood that our very freedom was at stake. And it just really was a little overwhelming, man, just going through there. And then yesterday morning, I uh, picked up the newspaper, well, turned on the newspaper and pick it up. I don't get one, you know. But I turn on it, and I'm reading it, and <laughs> at Boston University, the law school provided therapy and safe zones for their students because after the last three Supreme Court decisions, they felt so overwhelmed. I just thought... Lord, I hope we don't get in a war again. Man, we'd be in trouble. I mean, how do we get from that to... <laughs> you know, today, I, I just want to say, we always do this, the Sunday before the 4th of July, and, um, and I get it, man. It, we got issues, but I always think, can we take one day? And remember that with all of her faults, 
America has been a blessing to so many people for a long, long time. And, and, and most importantly, a blessing to the body of Christ. Did you guys know this, that in the 2,000 years that the church has existed, America is the only country where God's people have not been persecuted for worshiping Jesus. And that's something to be thankful for, right? Yeah, I mean, now look, I, I, I kind of get this, and, and we have these discussions all the time. Younger generations believe that it's highly inappropriate to be patriotic, especially in church. I get it. You know, because there are extreme minorities uh, who want to wrap Jesus up in an American flag and believe that Jesus stands for the national anthem. That's silly. I mean, I, so when we do this, and we're not talking about that. So to be clear, just let me clarify, um, America's my country, but I'm a kingdom citizen. I have a president, but I serve a king, and his name is Jesus. I live in America, but one day America will end. But because of Jesus, I will spend eternity in an everlasting kingdom. I'm glad to be an American, but America won't last forever. But I'm here to tell you, man, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is my God and my King, and I serve Him. But you understand, I, I'm saying it, it's okay. Now, I, well, I get it, man. I'm a pastorosaurus. I'm old. And I grew up in a very different America where there was no conflict in loving Jesus and loving your country. Um, because we saw America as a place that gave us the freedom to worship our Jesus. And there was no conflict in loving him and loving our country. We really did see America as a nation under God. America is a 247-year-old experiment. Can people really be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? You know, the, the U.S. Constitution is the shortest, only four pages long, and the oldest constitution still in use by any nation in the world today. And it begins, we the people. So if you've seen copies of the constitution in those great big letters, this is how it starts, we the people. Then in smaller letters, of the United States of America. In order to form a more perfect union, establish just and ensure domestic tranquility for the common defense, this we the people idea. See, when, when they wrote that, America wasn't a superpower. America was just an idea. We the people. Powerful words. Courageous words. That maybe, just maybe, a nation could have a government 
with no king, no dictator, no ruling class of aristocracy, but a government that really was we, the people. But even more importantly, from the very beginning of America, there was a, a kind of national consciousness. It, it wasn't always written down. Sometimes it was written down very clearly, but there was kind of a national consciousness that we are dependent on and accountable to God. In the very first prayer of the Continental Congress, that prayer begins like this, listen. O Lord, our heavenly Father, high and mighty King of kings and Lord of lords, who does from thy throne behold all the dwellers of the earth and resigneth with power supreme over all kingdoms, empires, and governments, look down, we beseech thee on these American states who have fled to thee from the rod of our oppressors and thrown ourselves on thy gracious protection, desiring henceforth to be dependent only on thee. And then it ends, then a lot more great stuff like that. Then it ends like this. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy son, our savior, amen. Doesn't sound like those people were ambiguous about what they were saying about America, does it? You see, they understood that we, the people, are accountable to and dependent on God. That's why John Adams said this about our Constitution. John Adams said, our Constitution was written only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. I mean, those are incredible words. If you go to the National Archives in Washington, D.C., and you, and you go to the top floor, they, they have a room where three documents are held, the three most important national documents that we have. The Declaration of Independence, one page. The Constitution, four pages. The Bill of Rights, one page. Wow. Wow. You know what John Adams is? John Adams is saying, it's our accountability to and our dependence on God that makes this system of government work. You, you have to be a moral and religious person for this system to work. That's why there was this national kind of consciousness that we are, we the people, accountable to and dependent on God. And John Adams is saying, you, you can't write enough laws to make people do the right things. But when there is this national consciousness of who we are and who God is, you don't need all of that. You, you can have one sheet of paper that declares who we are. We are endowed by our creator. With, you know, by the way, it, I mean, when you just think about those words, right? I mean, we the people, and then in the declaration, we hold these truths to be self-evident. You know, you know what that means? Duh. I mean, they're, they're self-evident. 
that we are endowed by our Creator, we are accountable to and dependent on God with certain unalienable, that means rights that can't be taken away from you because they're given by God, with certain unalienable rights of which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are things that come from God and they got that. You know, we, the people, had the blessings of liberty handed down to us from men who gave everything, from women who gave everything and they depended on God. Hmm. We were given the blessings of liberty and this is a blessing that requires something from us because we're not just we the people we are we the people of God so as American believers there are some things that we have here's the first one write this down we have a debt of gratitude Psalm 145.4 says let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts let them proclaim your power. What, why does the Bible say that? Let each generation tell of your mighty act. Because we so easily forget. You, you know how that works, right? You, you have one generation that believes. I mean, so when our founder said... Man, they gave their lives to liberty and sacred honor. They gave those things and their, and their fortunes and everything about them. They said, we are trusting God to build a new nation. They believed. But, but what one generation believes, the next generation assumes. It's just always been that way. No, it hasn't. In what one generation believes, the next generation assumes, the next generation forgets. And then the next generation denies. No, that wasn't what happened. So that's why we have all of this history revision stuff, man, where people say, we weren't a godly nation. That's not how America was founded. You know, in order to believe that, you, you just have to deny what they said. I mean, let, let me just kind of go through some of those things with you. Uh, Patrick Henry, the same guy who said, give me liberty or give me death, he also said this. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists but by Christians, not on religion but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, people of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom to worship it. I, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a Christian foundation. John Hancock, you know, the guy who, who wrote the biggest, he signed the, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and he, you know, his name's really big. In fact, it's so big, we use that as a term, you know, uh, give me your John Hancock. I mean, because it's, you know, you guys get it. All right. So he said, we have no sovereign but God. We have no king 
But Jesus, John Quincy Adams said, the greatest glory of the American Revolution is that it connected with one indissolvable bond, the principles of civil government and Christianity. Wow. Samuel Adams said, I recommend my soul to that almighty being who gave it and my body I commit to the dust relying upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my sins. Samuel Adams. And you guys thought he just created beer. I mean, you know, he did. He was a godly guy, man. George Washington, the father of our country, said, it is impossible to govern rightly without God and the Bible. Listen, I could read quotes like that all day long. Did you know this? For a hundred years, the Capitol building, you know, the house chamber, that, that big house chamber, you know, where you see the state of unity. For a hundred years, the house chamber was the largest church in Washington, D.C. Every Sunday, a couple thousand people gathered there in that chamber to have church, just to worship Jesus. Two things you can't miss about the founders of America. They got it that freedom is given by God. Therefore, we are dependent on and accountable to God. And when they referred to God, they meant the God of the Bible. Now, look, this certainly isn't true now, but for most of our history, it was true. When Jenny and I were in the World War II National Museum, this is one of the things that just overwhelmed me, man. They had this movie that you watched that was really cool, by the way. I mean, so you, you get in and see, and so when they show the Battle of the Ball just started snowing, and, and uh, you know, when tanks would rumble by your seat. But the part I loved the most was when the day of the invasion of Europe in Normandy, D-Day, June 6, 1944. FDR, President Roosevelt, prayed with the nation. And they just had all these folks in the movie gathered around their little radios in their living room, listening to him pray. Why did he do that? Because he knew our military might alone was not enough. We are dependent on God. So he prayed with the nation. And was the last president to ever do that? In 1956, there was a, an act of Congress to establish a national motto. And our national motto is, in God we trust. <clears throat> in other words, we trust God. Wow. We owe a debt of gratitude to those generations of people. We should also be very grateful for the current generation of Americans who serve us right now and have served us so faithfully. I just want to take a minute. Look, if you are a veteran of any branch of the United States military, would you stand up right now? If you're a veteran of any branch of the United States, would you stand up?
Thank God for you. If you are one of those folks who are on the other end of when you dial 911, if you are in law enforcement or if you are retired in any of these areas, if you are a firefighter or an EMT, anybody who is a first responder, would you just stand up right now? Would you just stand up? Yeah. You know, because we are people of God, we are, we the people are God's people. Man, we should have grateful hearts for people who have and for people who currently serve us to protect the country where we can do this every Sunday. We the people also have a covenant to remember. I mean, you guys get this, right? We're a covenant people. A covenant is an agreement with God. And we have a covenant God, and so there are things that we have to remember about this covenant relationship. You know why we need to remember? Because we so easily forget things. A few months ago, um, I was sitting in the kitchen, and it was Friday morning. I had that, this ever happened to you, you have that moment where you go, I forgot. I forgot to take the trash can out. So I run out, grab the trash can, and right when I get out to the road, the trash can goes by. Trash truck goes by. I grab I'm going back to the house, man. And then I remembered, oh, it's going to get to the end of the road, turn around and come back. So I can run to the other side of the road and make it. So I run over to the other side of the road, and it just goes by me. So I start waving, chasing him down the road. I think he laughed at me. <laughs> Can't be sure of that. So I go back in the house and I'm sitting there. And it's one of those moments when, when you do something stupid and God uses it to teach you something. That just like that, man, God just taught me. When we forget the things we should remember, we end up chasing a bunch of garbage. You know, that's true in almost every area of life. That's true as a nation. That's true as a family. That's true as a church. That's true as an individual. Psalm 2 gives us a great picture of what we as American believers need to remember. So we need to remember this first. Write this down. To trust God's heart. Um, Psalm 2, verse 1. Why are the nations so angry why do they waste their time with futile plans sounds like the current government doesn't it verse 2 the kings of the earth prepare for battle the rulers plot together against the lord and against his anointed ones let us break their chains they cry and free ourselves from slavery to god tragic and sad words I mean, the truth is, America could exchange our national motto in God we trust for those words right now. Let's free ourselves from slavery to God. <laughs> we also need to remember this, to acknowledge God's power. Look at verse 4. 
But the one who rules in heavens laughs and scoffs at them. It's silly to think we, we want to free ourselves from God as if God's some weak ruler. <laughs> but the one who rules in heaven laughs at that. The Lord scoffs. I mean, it's silly to God. It's like two fleas arguing over who owns the dog. Verse 5 says, Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. Look, God is still God, and he doesn't negotiate when he demonstrates his power. So one day, the one with all authority, the King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, is coming back. And on that day, every ruler, every king, every president will bow to his power. And the only way to prepare for that day is to acknowledge his power today. We also need to remember this as American believers to accept God's plan. Verse 6 in Psalm 2 says, For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem on my holy mountain. Look, God raises up leaders and God puts leaders down. But when King Jesus shows up, that game is gone. That game is over. Verse 7. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with a rod, with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Everybody thinks they're so untouchable in this world. And they're not. God has a plan, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that that plan is God's plan, and it's right. One more thing we need to remember to submit to God's authority. Psalm 2, verse 10. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son or he will become angry and you will be destroyed in the midst of all of activities for his anger flares up in, a, in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. I mean, you get that God wants to bless us. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless this church. God wants to bless your family. God wants to bless this nation. God wants to be the refuge where we are protected. Hmm. But for those who refuse refuge, his anger is going to land on them. And there's going to be no negotiating. One more thing, we the people have a burden of responsibility. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. 
You know what part of our responsibility is as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? To, to show our nation the Lord Jesus so we continue to be a nation who is blessed. But it's not, you know, something that just happens. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Well, that's pretty clear, right? I mean, sin is the problem. Righteousness is the answer, and Jesus is the righteous one. And that has always been true. It'll always be true. That never changes. You know what's wrong with America? Sin. <laughs> you know what the answer is? Jesus. And he's the only answer for sin. God, give us the courage to speak the truth in love about sin. Ephesians 4, 17 says, with the Lord's authority, let me say this, live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. <laughs> you, you know what that does? You know what that one little phrase, they're hopelessly confused. They're, they're ungodly. That, that helps me a lot. You, you, you know what that helps me do? It helps me understand why things happen the way they do. I mean, so you look around and you go, why would people think that? I mean, who could think that's a good idea? Because they're hopelessly confused. It's what the ungodly do. Verse 18 says, their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against him. There it is. Verse 19 says, they don't care anymore about right and wrong, and they have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. Wow, sounds like the headlines this week, doesn't it? So how do we respond to that? There's what Jesus said, Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is it if salt loses its flavor? Can it make it salty again? It'll be thrown and trampled underfoot as worthless. And Jesus is saying, don't be a worthless believer in the kingdom. <laughs> Instead, verse 14, you're the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will, will, well, everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus called us to be salt and light in a world how about we start in America? How about we start in Eden? You see, the gospel, by its nature, is intensely 
personal. God isn't uh, a concept or a philosophical position a nation adopts. God is a personal God who loves us and gave himself for us. And the answer for what will change America is one heart for Jesus at a time. We can't legislate that. You, you guys agree with this? We are way, way past a political solution for what's wrong with America. I mean, we need spiritual awakening. So how, how does that happen? <laughs> how do we have spiritual awakening so that a nation can once, be, once again be a nation that understands we are dependent on, accountable to God? You know how it starts? You and I intentionally bring Jesus into our conversations. And when you start talking about Jesus and God starts doing something and the person you're talking to and you and you and me and everybody, when we start bringing Jesus into the conversation, the gospel starts erupting in the power that's, that belongs only to the gospel. And then it spreads, and then it spreads. It's happened many, many times in our nation's history. Do you guys agree we need that again? Yeah. So let's do it. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that we have been a nation under you and that we can be once again. God, I pray for our nation and our leaders and, God, that they will see you. God, I pray that you put people around them who will speak you into their lives, God, that you will change this country, God. But we can't just wait for that to happen in our leaders. God, would you just convict us that every time we want to have an angry political conversation, God, would you just please remind us instead just to speak Jesus into that conversation. We believe you are the answer. Give us the courage to speak the answer. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus.